Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. holiday slumber over there in Melody Lane with all the other rich people. And I want him brought right here with a big ribbon on his head. And I want to look him straight in the eye and I want to tell him what a cheap, lying, no good, rotten, four-flushing, low-life, snake-licking, dirt-eating, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blood-sucking, dog-kissing, brainless, dickless, hopeless, heartless, fat-ass, bug-eyed, stiff-legged, spotty-lipped, worm-headed sack of monkey shit he is. Hallelujah! Holy shit! Where's the Tylenol? Yeah. I'm going somewhere with this. Today we're gonna be, you know, we've been talking about margin this whole week, right? And we, and this is our new series. Today we talk about a very, very important part of it. See, we talked about financial margin. We talked about time margin. Today we talked about emotional margin and time margin. Well, today we talk about financial margin. And here's the reality: is many of us are like Clark Griswold. We're, we're, we're at, we're, I mean, we have no margin in our lives. We live our lives. We spend every single dollar that comes in, and we're, we're marginless. And the minute something happens that, that is outside of what we expected, for instance, we spend the bonus before it comes. We're already planning how we're going to spend our tax return. We're already planning how we're going to spend our raise because for the past five years, I've gotten the same bonus. For the past five years, I've gotten the same tax return. So I'm spending it because I'm guaranteed that that money's going to come. And when it doesn't come and you get your Jelly of the Month Club membership, you start cussing. Am I lying? It, when the IRS, when you, how many of y'all felt that 2% in your check this week? Huh? Oh, yeah, some of y'all felt it. Y'all were like, I voted for this fool. Y'all were mad. Y'all were upset. Y'all probably said some of this, called him weenie list and all of that stuff, right? And cussing and mad. And that's what happens when we have no margin. See, he's, he even said, he said, I spent, I had to take some of the savings and put down a down payment just so they can break ground. And now he's in the hole because... All he got for the rest of the year is jelly, mush, sweetness that's going to cause cavities when he was expecting a bonus check. And so I want to talk to you all today about financial margin. We're going to talk about this. It's going to take me two weeks to get through this. Today is going to be like, you know, a lesson. Let's pretend we're like in, in, in Financial Peace University, Dave Ramsey or whatever the case may be. As you all see, I have my, my whiteboard out. I have different color markers because I really want to teach you all some things. It's very important. Um, and these are just personal lessons that I've even learned. Okay? So first thing I want to talk about today is what I know about everybody in this room. Okay? There's two things that I know about every single person in this room. Every one of you. It's not different. Here they are. One thing that I know about everybody in this room is that all of us are living off of a percentage of our income. All of us. Here's the second fact. Most of you don't know what percent that is. Most of you don't know what percentage of your income you're living off of because as it comes in, it goes out. And everything you spend your money on has a value, right? I need to get this done. I need to get that done. Everything we spend our money on has a value. Let's look at the chart here. Now, the bottom line here, if you can see it, I'm going to try to get it where everybody can see it a little bit. It's not perfect. Excuse my penmanship. And I, those of you who are far away, just listen. Okay? So here we go. The bottom line here, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100, we'll say. Okay? 
represents time or age. God bless you. Represents your time or age. This line here on the side, all the way to my right, your left, represents your income, okay? Now, the idea here is this, and I use a green marker to illustrate this, is that as you get older, we're going to call this money because it's green. As you get older, so you're 10 years old here, you really don't have an income, but as you get older, more education, more training, da 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 more, 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 your income should increase, right? Do we all agree? As I get older, I get more training, more education, I'm more qualified, my income should naturally increase, right? Okay. Here's what happens to many of us in this country. We'll call this one uh, lifestyle or income, however you want to call it. So, uh, so this is income. It increases, right? This is a uh, uh, lifestyle or margin. What has happened to many of us in America is this. Our lifestyle is tracking along, or should I say our spending is tracking along with our income. And many people find this happening as it tracks, 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 it tracks. No margin, right? What should happen should look more like this in the blue. As income increases, as, as we get older, our income increases, this is what should happen. We're going to call this margin or savings. This space in here represents margin. Here's the reality. For about 70% or maybe slightly less of Americans here, we are like this. So we have, remember the green represents your income, that's your time. And as our income increased, as we were trekking, oh, that one's not working. So I'll do a dotted line to represent that, okay? As our income has increased, society, our culture tells us, oh, you need to have a bigger house. You need to have a new car. Oh, if you're making that much money, you can't be driving that hoopty you had in college. Oh, 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 as you... Oh, you can't be dressing like that now you're just, now that you're the, the VP of sales. You have to wear, like, Armani. That's the only way you're going to get a meeting. And what has happened is our lifestyle has outpaced our spending, and we find ourselves, instead of here with margin, upside down. How so? Well, credit card debt. Because you said I had to have an Armani suit, tailor-made Armani suit, then I have to go out and put it on my credit card. And the truth of the matter is, if we had to suddenly pay all that we owe, we wouldn't have the assets to pay it. Truth of the matter is, if we had to suddenly pay, for some reason, all that we owe, we don't have the assets to pay it. Why? Because we've been living without margin. Here's another thing I want to point out. Remember, if you're, let me erase some of this so we can, that's right. Erase some of this so we can keep it. We'll erase this where there should be margin. We'll talk about that, and I'll draw that again. And what has happened is, as our income, for those who, 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 who spend as soon as it comes in, in here, you see that little tiny space? That has a name between your income and your spending. Because they're tracking together, it's very little space. You know what that's called? That's called the Clark Griswold space, and it's called tension. It's called tension. And many of us, because we have not set up and have margin in our lives, if there is a layoff, oh, baby, we like Clark, Clark Griswold. Oh, go over there, get my CEO, put a bow on his head, that weenie list so-and-so. If there's threats of a layoff, Oh, your world is all messed up. If there's threats, if they just say, you know what, they laid somebody off in Mexico, you're over here way in America, and you're like, yeah, but that's our company. Eventually, they're going to start laying folk off here in America. There's tension, just the threat of it. Some of y'all had panic attacks when they started talking about the 2%. Then when you saw it, you like went nuts because you're living that close to the edge with your finances. 
And the minute somebody says, hey, you know what? We want to do some amazing outreach. Your heart is beating so fast. Your, 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 your pulse is just going and you're, you're ready. You wish that you could do it, but you're saying, dang it, I don't even have it. My heart is in the right place. God, you know my heart. You know if I had it, I would do it. And God says, you had it, but you spent it somewhere else. You had it, but you chose to give it to something else. And sometimes, let me be real, what you give it to doesn't necessarily mean material things. What you give it to doesn't mean you went out and bought a whole bunch of bling. It doesn't mean that you went out and bought a fancy car. Doesn't mean that you ate at a fancy restaurant. But what it does mean, what you gave it to, it wasn't God-giving. It wasn't life-giving. And so today, we'll talk in detail about how we're going to get out of this. Um, I'll share just a, a, a snippet of a principle that I know works. I won't take credit for it. Andy Stanley came up with this principle, and I believe in Andy Stanley because they're doing great things. They have margin. They're, I mean, listen, somebody can come and say, hey, we want to send uh, 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 a bunch of kids on a mission trip, and they can drop it and won't miss it. They live with margin. So if he has a principle, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to adopt it to some of our stuff here. If you're, if you're taking notes, I want to tell you uh, three thoughts about financial margin. Three real thoughts I want to share with you about financial margin, right? The first one I want to share is the absence of financial margin creates tension, pressure, tension. The absence of financial margin creates tension. Another thought I want to share with you, the issue is not the amount of money you make. The issue is not the amount of money you make. If I, if I did a poll right now and asked how many think that things could be a little bit better if you had just a little bit more money, I'm almost certain 99.9% .9 of you will raise your hand and say, oh, baby. I guarantee it. I would. I'm even me. I mean, heck. Another point. The issue, here is what the issue is. The issue is the lifestyle that your money chases. The lifestyle that your money chases is the issue. Let's talk about what financial margin is before we get too deep. What is financial margin? Financial margin is money left over after all of your essential needs are met. After you've paid all of your essential needs. After you've paid the phone bill. You've paid your mortgage or your rent. You've paid your car note and your insurance. Cable is not an essential need. I, I would argue, I mean, sometimes I say cable is an essential need because, you know, I, all, my excuse, I tell my wife, well, we got the bundle package. So if we get rid of cable, it's just going to cost us more money on the Internet side. And my wife is like, so we don't need cable because it distracts us from things that could be life-giving. And so I said, well, just wait till, till, till the six-month deal is up and then we can drop cable until, um, until Game of Thrones come back on and then we'll get it again. There'll be another deal then. It's having money available to give without feeling stressed when you give it. It's, it's having money available to do something that you enjoy. It, it, it's having money available to purchase some time margin. Well, what, what, how can I purchase time margin? Well, if, if, if you own a house and, and you have to mow your grass every day, imagine, right, Instead of taking that two hours to cut your own grass, having the financial margin to bless a young child and teach them some work ethic and saying, hey, young man, let me teach you how to mow this. Plus, on top of that, I'm going to bless your pockets. I'm going to give you a little bit of money. So not only do you gain your time back, you show this young person how they could mow your lawn, give them a little money, teach them some work ethic, and then you spend more time doing something you love to do. With financial margin, you can actually buy some time margin. Not timeshare. I mean, I mean, there's a difference. Don't be like, Pastor told me I can get timeshare, and then you still go, go buy that Disney package. Don't do that. I did not authorize that, and I'm not taking credit for that. Maybe if you had, you know, a little financial margin, you could, hi you could hire someone to even clean your house. My wife loves that. Every time there's a Groupon coming, somebody say, hey, they want to, you know, they offer a Groupon to, you know, we clean two rooms for, for $10 or something. My wife's like, let's get it. And I'm like, what's the wise thing to do? 
Why don't we clean? You know, when, when we get to that point where we, you know, where we have financial margin, then we can buy some time margin. We, maybe we'll hire somebody once a month to do that. You know, we, it's a pretty large house we have and a whole bunch of kids that just, listen, you can't keep it clean. You just can't between Sydney ripping up paper and Junior eating throughout the house. It's just rough. Margin is the ability to be financially at rest, not anxious. So if the boss says, hey, we're laying some people off, you're like, okay. Because I've been working on my business plan anyway because I had margin. Matter of fact, if you shut down now, I can take this money. I've been wanting to open up a food truck and just go ahead and invest this money in the food truck without a loan, by the way. I can just drop 70000 cash, buy my food truck, design it the way I want, and, and just without a loan because I have financial margin. Financial margin is your car breaking down, and you don't panic about it. Oh, man, okay, cool. Yo, such and such mechanic, can you come and hook me up? I can pay for the tow. I can get the repairs done. Will my car be ready tomorrow? Thank you. Financial margin is, is hearing the desperate need of somebody in your community, a kid who doesn't have a uniform or school supplies, and, and, and you're not feeling stressed out because you can't give. You're like the first one to say, I got this, baby. Give me two more kids to take care of. Financial margin allows you to do that. Financial margin is you over here in a, college stu- a, a, a high school student saying, I'm getting ready to go to college, but you know what? I can't even afford the college application. And you're like, I got that, baby. You go ahead and do something good with yourself and pay it forward in the future. These are the things that financial margin will, will allow you to do to have peace of mind. Without financial margin, I'm going to say this. Without financial margin, you rob yourself emotionally. You rob yourself physically of time. Relationships. And secondly, you rob God. Yeah, but God can't spend the money. It's not what, it's not, it's right, you're right. God can't spend the money. But as a representative of God, you can. You could do some good for somebody else if you had just a little financial margin in your life. Just a little bit. How do we create financial margin? You ask, I'm glad y'all ask. Y'all always ask the right question. How do we create financial margin? I'm just going to touch this just a little bit. Begin giving before you have margin. Ooh. Ooh. Begin I don't even have margin, and you're telling me to give? Yep. Let me get margin first, and then I'll give. No, no, no. Give God first. Because when you begin giving before you have margin, what you're saying is, I have faith that God is going to work it out. When you begin before you even know what next week is going to look like, when you begin giving before you know what your bonus is going to look like, when you begin giving before you even know what your tax return is going to look like, what the rest of the month is going to look like, when you begin giving like that, you're giving to God. You're trusting and saying, God, I'm going to give because I trust that you will make it happen. Let me tell you all something. In case you don't know, I've said it before, and so if you heard it before, then I'm sorry, but let me tell you some truth here. I have a household of six, right? And we make $312 a week. And that's God. Nobody's hungry. Nobody's pants are too small. Of course, there's been people that have blessed us and given my, my children stuff. We, we take hand-me-downs proudly and boldly. We're couponing maniacs, especially me. I'm on e- Ebates and everything you can find. I, I, I make sure we get the, the Sunday paper. And I'm sitting there. I'm the first one before my wife. I'm cutting. I'm like, oh, look, I found some degree deodorant. It's like $1.99 and milk. And we just, I'm a coupon maniac. And then I actually send the form in for the rebate. I'm that person. And if it takes too long, I'm like, yo, it's been eight weeks. Today is eight weeks. Where my money? I just called somebody the other day. I'm expecting $7.46 from her Ebate. I called him. I said, it's been eight weeks. Y'all said eight weeks. Well, Mr. Santiago, we said between six and, and ten weeks, actually. I'm like, oh, give me my money. But that's the great thing about giving to God first. It teaches me not to rely on these other things. It teaches me faith to rely solely on God for our needs, and he has met our needs. 
I haven't worked any harder than I've worked before. I've prayed harder than I've prayed before. I've exercised great faith, but I haven't worked harder. Give to God first. This is how. That's the best, the, 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 the main principle we're going to follow. Begin giving before you have margin. Let's go, if you will, to Malachi 3. Chapter 8, uh, uh, verse, uh, chap- Malachi chapter 3, verse 8 through 10. Y'all are familiar with this, I'm sure. If you, if you just walk past the church, you've heard this scripture before. You ain't even got to go in the church. Just walk past Malachi. You have robbed God of your tithe and offering. I'm, I'm going to really, hopefully, explain the whole book of Malachi, all four chapters to you, in just 10 minutes, if you'll permit me. Let's read verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 8 through 10. It says this. Should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me, exclamation point. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. You are under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse, so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have room enough to take it in. Then he says this, try me. Like, I double dog dare you to actually do what I just said. Better yet, I double dog, triple dog, double dog, triple dog, quadruple dog dare you to try me and see what happens. Put me to the test. Let me show you what I can do. When we bring our best, just a couple points, and then I want to talk about what Malachi is all about. When we bring our first and our best, God will bless the rest. Here's what tithing does. Tithing builds our faith. It's one of the most tangible. Watch this. Tithing and offering is one of the most tangible and practical ways that we can put God first. It breaks the power of materialism and consumerism that we, that we live in in today's society. I was just having this conversation with, the, with uh, our guitar player today, this morning, about, you know, we were talking about third world countries have something else to worry about, and we don't have to worry about some of the stuff, you know, because we're in a different world. I says, yeah, but our issue, it's a disease. It's called consumerism, materialism. It's a disease. We're addicted to it. Really, there's they're Shopaholics Anonymous. I'm real serious. There's no, they, they don't have that in Haiti. There's, there's not in Af- certain parts of Africa. What well, it sure enough is here in America. I have a problem shopping. I can't walk past the mall without it pulling my pocketbook. And I have to spend. If I don't feed the monster, it will take over me. We're addicted to shopping. And we get it and we're mad we got it. Why? Because the bills are due. Now you on the phone trying to make a deal, a payment arrangement or something when you had the doggone money in the first place. But the monster got you. Real talk. Let's talk about Malachi real quick. Y'all have heard this all the time. You know, give you a We're robbing God of his tithe and da-da-da-da-da. Here's the deal. Malachi book was written about 400 years before Christ, right? And and, and you have this great priest, this, this theologian, this passionate priest and theologian by the name of Malachi. And he, he, he sent as a messenger of God to speak to these people in Jerusalem. Now, what was going on with these people in Jerusalem is that they had just rebuilt the temple. God's orders, rebuild the temple. But what they did was slack on it. You know, Solomon's temple was really dope and it was destroyed. I mean, it was so beautiful. These people, they slacked on it. They said, you know, just put a structure up. God said, Dude, let's just put something up in this rinky-dink. That was the first wrong thing they did. The second wrong thing they did, they used to give offerings, tithes and offerings to the temple, right? They were giving it regularly. As a matter of fact, if you understand uh, history, biblical history, they were giving not 10%. They were giving 10%, which is a tithe. They were giving another 10%. Then they were giving another 10%. They were giving 30%. 20% was required by law. The other 10 they just did because they were loyal. Right? They were doing all of this. Then, 400 years before Christ comes, they build a rinky-dink temple. They give sacrifices. Before, they were given, like, the most healthy 
a goat or bull or animal for sacrifice or burnt offering. They were given their very best as sacrifices and offerings, right? This was before uh, they rebuilt the temple. They rebuilt the temple. These people, like, they given, like, sick goats as their sacrifice. They given, like, one-legged goats with, with half an eye as a sacrifice. They given uh, two-headed and I mean, they've given their worst of their worst as offerings and tithe. This is what they're saying. God, whatever, I know that was a law, but here, I know we have to do it. So, listen, give me that, that goat over there that just has a half a hoof, and we'll give that as an offering. He was going to die anyway. In essence, he was going to die anyway. Why are you giving that to God? Give him your best. And so they were doing this, and it was the priests of the time that were telling these people how to do this. It was the priests at the time telling these people the wrong thing, saying, hey, just give a burnt, just give, just give them, your, you got to do it. It's the law. You have to give a sacrifice. Just give them, you got a half-dead cow. Yeah, he'll take that. And Malachi's like, whoa, whoa, what are y'all doing? This is not right. Y'all, y'all moan and complain. Your crops are dry. You moan and complain that God is not showing up. You moan and complain that God is not a passionate God. Let me tell you what to do. So in the book of Malachi, in just six messages, in four chapters, he shares with them. Here's what you need to do. In the fifth message, he tells them, this is the message of redemption. If you want to get back in God's grace, do what you used to do. The first thing he says in the book of Malachi, he opens up saying, listen, this is what God says. Israel, I love y'all. He opens up the door with some passion. I love y'all. It's like your parents disciplining you. Listen. You shouldn't have done that. I love you, and, 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 but I got to do what I got to do. This is going to hurt me more than it hurts you, but it has to be done. And this is what the Lord is saying. Israel, I love you, but let me call you on some stuff you have not been doing and some stuff you have been doing that does not honor me. Y'all give me these whack sacrifices, right? Then you blaming me that stuff ain't working out. You don't, you, you just throwing stuff. You, you, I ask you to build a temple for me to pray, to honor me, and you all build me uh, a shack of a thing. And you didn't even use good material. You used like cardboard. You could at least use some good wood, right? You give, you give me the whack material, and then you praying to me, asking me to bless it. Are you serious? Are you serious? And Malachi is saying, you know what? In this fifth message in there, he says, you know what? It ain't all over, baby. Tell you what, in this fifth message, let me talk to you about repentance. You want to get back with God's grace? Begin tithing. Oh, I don't have it to tithe. My crops are dry. I don't have it to, to, to make the sacrifices. Half my cattle are dead. I don't have it. And Malachi's like, do it. God says, test him. Do it. With what you have now, do it. Repent of what you've done in the past and do it and see what God will do. And they did. Right? Did they? Aha, uh-huh, it gets quiet. It gets quiet. Read your Bible. Y'all tell me. <laughs> Here's the other thing. During that time, during the time of Malachi, they were required by law, as I said, to give more than, there was a 10% you had to give, but you also had to give an additional 10%, an additional 10%. And that 10%, now the, the, the tithe went to the temple and the, it, for the maintenance, to keep it clean. It went to the priests, and, and it was just a tithe of your grain or whatever the case may be. So that's what it was. They, they didn't do like we do. It wasn't a dollar. There wasn't no presidents on their money and stuff like that. It was grain. That was their currency at the time. You know, there were parts in Africa where they used a cowrie shell as currency. So just understand, that grain is just like our current dollar. I want to fix that. So y'all don't come bringing no bread up in here. All right? Let's fix that. <laughs> so they had to give that to the temple. The other 10% went to the festivals they had. They had several festivals throughout the year. Then that 10% they would use every third year to pay and take care of poor people in the community. You follow me? So the 10% went to the temple. Then the other 10% went to take care of the festivals that they had throughout the year. But every third year, that additional 10% went to the poor people. Didn't matter. It was poor people. So they had welfare back then is what I'm saying, in case y'all didn't know. They had public assistance. But you just got it every third year. You had to wait. You had to 
yeah, can't wait. You know, it's year two and a half. I need this money. I'm broke. And third year is like, bless you. There's your, there's your social services. Okay? So that's the history of Malachi. So when we talk about that, it wasn't about God just wanting your money. God wants your heart. But your heart is so tied up to your money. And you want, if you want to get back in my grace, begin what you were doing before, what you stopped doing in the first place when everything was good, when we were flourishing and your crops were looking good, your cattle were looking good, and it wasn't them. It was their ancestors whose cattle and stuff was looking good. Do what your ancestors did, and then you have favor with me. You have grace with me again, okay? Put God first in the area of your finances. When you do that, here's what you learn. You learn to be content. You learn to be content. I own five pair of jeans. That means I have to wash every week. This is not, you know, I, I'm not, we don't have a house where we can let clothes sit, you know, two or three weeks. We will never, ever have that problem because we've learned to be content with our five pair of jeans. And some of them are starting to rip at the bottom. So I'm like, I'm hoping that style comes back where you have ripped jeans on the cuff. So then I'll, I'll be still fashionable. Otherwise, we'll have to wash like midweek so I can keep a clean pair of jeans. But a part of me is just like, oh, Kohl's got a sale, 20% off on top of the other and this and that. And my wife is like, oh, let's, no, nah, we can't do it. We need to be content with where we are. The house we live in now, I love it. Oh, it'd be perfect if it had a basement. So I can have more stuff and spend more time away from my family doesn't make sense. We want more. We have one car right now, right? And I'm like, oh, we need another car. Do we? Because I had to really think hard about this. Growing up, we only had one car if we had a car. And I just think about, I remember my grandmother having to go to the supermarket because we didn't have a car in our family, and she'd have to ask, like, her great-niece to take her. And the great-niece had the audacity to charge her gas, and she was going to the same place. Greedy? It's the truth of the matter. is that, you know, we want more. We're not, many of us are not content where we are. Let's go to some scripture here. Philippians, this is Paul. He's saying, listen, I'm sorry, let's go to Proverbs first. He says, it's better to have little with fear of the Lord than to have great treasure and inner turmoil. Oh, man, we know a lot of people like that, right? Celebrities, cousins, spouses, okay. <laughs> oh, man, we got a whole lot of money, but we ain't not at peace. That's, that's me and my wife's story. In our household, just the two of us, at one point, we, we had a, uh, an income over $150,000 what we were bringing in. And we were fight. I mean, we've had some of the worst fights. I didn't think our marriage would make it to five years. Like, what are we fighting about? We got all this money. What are we spending it? So as it came in, we spend it. We had two Acuras, nice house. We had this plan that every three months we take a local vacation just to kind of get away. And every six months we kind of get out of the country or something like that. I mean, we were just spending money. Let's go to New York and just shop. I got a bonus check coming up. Let's just put it on the Amex. All right, baby. The minute that bonus stops, it's your fault. No, it's your fault. Inner turmoil. Inner turmoil. And here's the, here's, the, here's the funny part. We were giving big time to God. But God was like, thank you. I appreciate that. You're supposed to do that. What, do you want to pat on your freaking back? Huh? What, do you want to add a boy for doing what you're supposed to doggone do? Get out of here. But what you didn't do, Broderick and Erica, would be stewards over what I gave you. Yeah, you gave to the church, but you, you ignored that, that outreach that I asked you to do. Yeah, you gave to the church, and instead of taking these lavish vacations, why didn't you go on that mission trip that I, I put that burden on you to go to? You had the money. Oh, the cruise was more beneficial for you, huh? Tell you what, I'll take that. Now, here we are, more responsibilities, living on far less and, man, my wife and I don't fight about money. We fight about some other stuff, but not money. Dishes, maybe, laundry, <laughs> but, not, but not money. Money is not our beef. You dig what I'm saying? Because God took that away and taught us discipline. 
be content with what you have. You may have a beautiful house. You don't need another room. You don't need to fix up that spare room because you don't want the company that's going to come anyway. Huh? You really don't. Let's be honest. Here's what Paul says. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it was with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. Paul was cut from good cloth, y'all. The brother's pedigree was like smooth. He had money. He was one of the wise Pharisees of the time. He was the man, so he had plenty of money. The minute he denounced that whole lifestyle and became a Christian and devoted his life to God, he became a tent maker. You go from being rich and wealthy and popular, being the freaking man, and all of a sudden you make intense, but he believed in the movement that much. Forget pride. Let's make it happen. Let's make these tents, make these few bucks, whatever, and let's, make it, let's keep it going. The second point I want to put out to you is you end up with more of what matters. You end up with more of what matters. Proverbs 8, 18 through 19 says this, I have riches in honor as well as enduring wealth and justice. My gifts are better than gold, even the purest gold. My wages are better than sterling silver. Now, some of y'all looking like sterling silver. Ain't nobody wearing that's That's old school. Back then, sterling silver was the bomb. If you had some sterling silver, you were the stuff. And here's what, he, what, 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 what he's saying here. He's saying, listen, all that stuff that you think is valuable, all that stuff you think is bling, all that stuff you think is important, listen, I have more than that. In my relationship with you, I have way more than that. See, when you have time and financial margin, here's what happens. <laughs> you get to spend time with the people you love. Instead of having to say, no, I can't do it. I don't have the money. No, I, I, I can't do it. I don't have the time. I got to go and, you know, I got to put in these extra hours at, at school, put in these extra hours at the office. With time and financial margin, you can say, hey, listen, I can't wait to watch the Falcon game with you. All right? Me and my man had a debate about that. Remember, I prayed for them last week, and y'all saw what happened, right? We laughed about that. We don't know if that was really my prayer because I know that some people were praying for the losers of that game as well. So does that mean God didn't answer their prayers? I don't know. Maybe he liked me more. I don't know. When you end up with more of what matters, watch this. You start doing really weird things, right? Like spending cash on stuff and not putting it on your card. You start actually following a budget. Many of us don't follow a budget because, you know, that used to be the big fight. My wife would say the B word, and it was almost like she said the B word. You get what I'm saying? She'd say, honey, let's sit down for a B word. And I was like, oh, did you call me a what? It was that painful to sit down because I knew by looking at it there was no margin. I knew at the time by looking at it that American Express and Master Charge and all of these people wanted some money. And we didn't have it because we spent it. But we had fun spending it. Now we're going to fight about spending it. But now my wife can say budget. I'm like, yeah, baby, I'm, I'm actually the one. Let's sit down and let's look at the budget. Let's do it. I'm excited about it. There she is right now. I'm excited about looking at it. Why? I know there's not a lot of margin, but baby, I can tell you what, we didn't like spend crazy. We didn't make bad decisions with our money. We honored God. We blessed some people. We took care of our essentials, and things are great. So she can bring up budget now, and I'm like, bring it on, baby. Let's do it. Let's talk budget. Let's talk money. It's all right. Hey, baby. Mm-hmm. We're going to close here. Remember these two points. You learn to be content. You end up with more of what matters. And the only way you can do that is this principle. And this is a principle that I give credit to Andy Stanley for presenting. It's called priority percentage giving. As I said earlier, 
all of us live on a percentage of our income. Every single one of us. Guess what? Because I know a lot of people say, I'm on a fixed income. Me too. You too, you too, you too. Everybody in here is on a fixed income. Because if you weren't, you'd fix your income to be what you want it to be, right? Everybody here is on a fixed income. Here's your challenge. Today, before, I'm, I'm going to wrap up here so we can get home early so y'all can watch this Falcons game. But take an hour before the game, come on, right? And figure out, if you don't know this, real talk, this is to help you. I want to help you figure out what percentage of your income are you living on right now. And if you're living on 90%, that's good. You got 10% margin. 99%, <laughs> you got 1% margin, and I pray it for you. 110%, you need to make some changes today. 150%, yeah, pull a Dave Ramsey, break your credit cards out, cut them up. Because if you had 150% of your income, you are stretched over the limit. If you've not done Dave Ramsey financial piece, just raise your hand. I just want to see. I'm not trying to call you out. I highly recommend it because I know so many people haven't done it. I think we're going to offer it again very soon here. It will change your life. It's not easy, but it will change your life, change your life, change your spending habits, all of the above. Dave Ramsey says this, and I'm going to leave you with this and think about it one time. Dave Ramsey says this, if you begin to live like no one else, you can live like no one else. In other words, while everybody is swiping, swiping, and you got your little envelope with the amount of cash you can spend for the day, and you break it out saying, this is all I got, people are looking at you like, why are you doing that? That's weird. You're like, I'm living like nobody else lives so that later on I can live like nobody else lives. That's what Dave Ramsey says, and I believe that. Every time me and my wife sit down and we have a goal, right, and it's Brooke's fault, okay, and, and, and the goal is the next five to ten years, and I have to say ten because I'm being a realist here, I want to purchase an RV. That's our goal. We go to the RV show every year. It's coming up in the next couple of weeks. We're excited. Everybody else is excited. We're like, yes, it's coming up. Yeah, we're going to go. And we go, we get inside, and they lay in the bunks, and we're like, oh, we know, we know all the classes, and we know what's the new trend for the upcoming year. We know, we know like, we don't get the big, we, you know, we know we're not going to buy the big Greyhound type of bus because that's really for people who are in retirement, and it really only has room for just them and maybe a couple other friends. But the C class, you can put up to eight to ten people. I mean, we know our stuff, baby. We know the one we're going to buy when we can buy it. But here's the catch. I'm going to pay cash for it. That's why it's a five to ten year goal. I might have to play some, some gigs I don't want to play. I might have to dress up as homie the clown and beat the drums, but I'm going to get that RV. And you know what the RV is going to do? It's going to put us together more. We're going to be in this little cramped thing as a family, driving cross country or maybe just taking a ride up north, checking out the history of our country, appreciating all of God's splendor in the process, and, and we're going to look at it and say, and there's no note on this. And every year, now that we, you know, we look forward to going to the RV show, but in five to ten years, we'll be looking forward to the RV trip. Because right now we're teaching these principles. And, get, and guess what? Because this is something Brooke wants, and the whole family's on board, by the way, but she started it. But because this is something she wants, what are we teaching them in the process? Well, Brooke, here's the thing. Every year she asks, she says, Daddy, are we going to buy one this year? And I tell her, no, baby, we still got to save, you know, and, and, and I get to teach her that principle, priority, percentage giving. If we just keep giving to God first, giving to people who help and uh, people who need help and, 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 and then saving, putting a little bit aside, then one day we're going to have that RV. I promise you, five to ten years. And then you could bring your friends, and we'll, we're going to go cross country. We're going to go see the Grand Canyon and drive through one of those trees. Where, where is that? In Yellowstone? Redwood Forest. Thank you, sir. We're going to drive through one of those trees in our RV, by the way, and we're going to have a good time about it. And it's because we put God first. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Eternal and gracious God in heaven, wow. 
you are so awesome. And I, I, I understand how important it is to just be great stewards over what you've blessed us with. The first thing we need to realize is that you did bless us with it. It is because of you that we even have two pennies to rub together. So, God, we thank you for that, God. Thank you for the discipline that comes with being great stewards. We understand that everything that you give us is not just ours. You are such a gracious God to say, hey, I'll let you spend uh, 90%. Just give me 10%. We thank you for that, God, because we understand that in that process, it teaches us discipline. It, te- it, it, it steers us away from consumerism and materialism. So, God, we are so honored that you discipline us with our finances. Continue to bless us. I pray that these words that we've shared today completely bypass everybody's ears and rest on their heart, Father God, and that today we look at our budgets to see just how much of our income we're spending, Father God, what percentage we're living off of, God, and, and, and that today we make changes to live off less and honor you more. God, we ask these things today in the mighty and matchless name of your son, Jesus the Christ. And all those agreed said, amen, amen. I hope this message resonates with you. Um, good news is if, 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 if you missed some of this, we have podcasts now. So you can go on our website, listen to the podcast, share it with your friends because I don't want y'all to just get this message and you all make a change and your friends get jealous because you have margin in your life. Help them, all right? Amen? Quick announcements and we're out. Today, January 20th, guess what we start? The 40-day prayer and fast challenge. Anybody started yet? I did. I've been drinking water all day, and this was my breakfast. It's going to be my lunch, and oh, my goodness. It's so good, I'm going to put my pinky up. But anyway, today we start that. Um, There are three ways you can do it. I had a handout that I gave you last week. If you need that handout, see me. Uh, I'll get your email address and send you that. We're fasting in three ways. You can do a Daniel fast, no vegetable. I mean, that's that's no bread, no sweets, no meat. Uh, uh, It's just vegetables, fruit, juice that is from a juicer, not not the juice you buy in a store that has sugar in it because you can't have any sugar. That's the Daniel fast, okay? This is 40 days we're going to do this. The other one, which is what I'm doing, is a sun up to sundown meaning between the hours of 6 a.m. and 6 p.m., I only drink water, okay? For the next 40 days, that's what I'll do. After 6 p.m., I'll eat a very moderate meal, okay? Uh, The final one, which is what my wife is doing, where you fast and deny yourself a particular food, okay? Maybe, Maybe you have a thing. My wife has a thing for bread. She has to have bread with everything. These next 40 days are gonna be tough because she can't have none. Nope, no bread, okay? Uh, perhaps yours is, is you love the pig. You know, you like the pig feet, pig nose, and pig toes and all that stuff. Leave the swine alone. <laughs> you, know, you love bacon. You're that person that has to have bacon on your peanut butter and jelly. Uh, you know, no. Chitlins, if you're that person. Uh-huh. Yeah, somebody's pointing at you. I'm not going to say any names. But uh, whatever, <laughs> whatever that thing is you need, whatever food you think you need, you can't get rid of. Perhaps it is sweets. Deny yourself that for 40 days purpose of it is we deny ourselves physically to gain and hear from God spiritually. What are we praying for? Three key areas, very important. I know they matter to God. Number one, the education system here in Georgia. We are in the bottom three in terms of our high school graduation rate. And I constantly hear bad news. I just found out one of my mentees uh, just, just, you know, pulled the knife out on somebody, a sixth grader. And I know y'all read the paper just in this community alone about a young lady who was pregnant, 13 years old, and hit her baby in the woods. That's this community where this is happening. Okay? So that's one area we're praying for. The second area we're praying for is the complete abolishment of modern-day slavery. Right now, there are 27 million people enslaved in the world. Either they are slaves, they're servants, or they're trafficked for sex. This is real, y'all. They're laborers. They're they're trafficked for sex or they're servants to pay a debt. We want to abolish that. We're praying that God just totally abolishes that. And it can happen with prayer and fasting. The final area is a total, a total revival in the American church. I hate statistics sometimes when they tell us that that, that, that 50% of the people know Jesus but are not connected to a church, a loving church. And I'm here to tell you, there's no such thing as a growing Christian outside of a loving church community. There's not. Who are you accountable to? Who's praying with you? Who's loving on you? There's no such thing. So we need a complete revival of the American church, or else we'll be like the church in Germany, 
where they force people to pay tithe. When you fill out your tax reform, you have to check a church. It could be the church of nobody's business, but you have to give a tithe. And churches are empty. And we don't want to be that way because those people don't know Christ. All they know is that the government is taking their money and calling it a tithe. So those are the three areas we're praying for. 40 days. For the next 40 days, beginning tomorrow, 7 a.m., the prayer call, the prayer line will be open. 7 p.m., I'll be on there praying for you. Every day, weekday, let me fix that. Every weekday, Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. There's information on our Facebook page. Join me. We have people from all over Puerto Rico, from uh, Connecticut, from Philly, all over joining us on this call. Don't be left out. Amen. Those are the announcements. Uh, If you want to be baptized, there's a baptism sheet. The third Sunday, February 17th, we'll do baptism and baby dedication. So if you want that to happen, see me. And uh, this February 3rd, Newcomer's Reception. If you're not a member, you don't know if you're a member, you're thinking about being a member, you just want to learn more about what we actually believe because I talk a lot. I'm like, well, what do y'all believe? Are y'all part of a denomination? What what is the vision of this church? You want to learn that stuff? Come to my house, Casa de Santiago, right after service, February 3rd. That's the third Sunday. I mean, it's the first Sunday. I'm sorry about that. It's the first Sunday. Come by for the newcomer's reception. There we'll explain all that to you, and you can make a decision if you want to be a member, and then we'll put you through our our, uh, growth leader track, okay? That is it. You can prepare your tithe and offering. Uh, The buckets are back here. This handsome guy, Mr. Byron Delgado. Listen, yes, we also have the Publix and Kroger envelopes. Um, we, we are part of a, a food pantry here. What they do is find coupons. Um, I think it's no more than $6 each. They find coupons of the things that they need for their pantry, and you can spend about 5 or $6 and get those things. So if you want one, uh, see Dorothy. She'll take care of them. Thank you, sis. Uh, just see Dorothy. She's right here, this beautiful sister here. And uh, grab one. It's like you spend no more than six bucks, really, and you you take care of a family. This school we feed uh, 25 families uh, every every uh, every month. So go ahead and get that. Uh, your tithe and offering. Byron is back there with these red buckets. You can fill that out and give your very best. Uh, and we'll talk more about this on next week. Amen. Go Falcons. Thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that Pastor B said something that moves you closer to Jesus. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at Mosaic Mableton and visit us on our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday mornings to worship and connect with others. Our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.